RT8K News. It's 11 o'clock. I'm Robert Kemp. Tonight's headlines. The observatory issues the standby signal number one with the weather set to deteriorate in the next couple of days. Hong Kong reports over 2,000 COVID cases for the first time since April and flights resume on the main air route between Tokyo and Seoul after more than two years. The observatory has issued the standby signal number one saying it will stay in place before noon. Forecasters say there will be a significant shift in weather conditions from mainly sunny skies tomorrow. Scientific officer Kok Man Hing urged the public to prepare for stormy weather this Friday. The tropical cyclone will move in the general direction towards the coast of western Guangdong in the next couple of days and intensify gradually. Under the influence of the overturbing bands associated with the tropical cyclone, the local weather will gradually deteriorate with squally showers, thunderstorms and swells on the 1st of July. Showers will be heavier at times over the weekend. And after tropical cyclone making landfall under the influence of an active southerly airstream, there will still be occasional showers this week. Health officials reported 2,004 COVID cases today, of which 155 were imported. It's the first time since April that Hong Kong has recorded more than 2,000 cases. But the hospital authority says public hospitals are not stretched at the moment and they could make hundreds of beds available. Dr Albert Au is from the Centre for Health Protection. We can see the COVID situation so far. It's been going up gradually, in a stable manner, not a sudden explosive rise. When we look at hospital admission figures, we can see most cases are light or asymptomatic. For serious cases or those requiring admission or death cases, so far these have still remained at rather stable levels. Meanwhile, the government says Cathay Pacific's flight CX-845 from New York will be suspended for five days starting from Friday. That's because the number of COVID patients on board exceeded the number allowed. Flights have resumed on the main air route between Tokyo and Seoul for the first time in more than two years after being suspended because of the pandemic. This is BBC's Michael Bristow. Before COVID, nearly 40,000 passengers travelled by air every day between Japan and South Korea, two of the world's biggest economies. That stopped during the pandemic. But both nations this month relaxed their COVID entry requirements and flights are once again taking off. Officials from South Korea and Japan attended a ceremony at Seoul's Kimpo Airport. Initially, there'll be eight round trips a week between there and Haneda Airport in Tokyo. More will follow when patterns of travel return to how they were before the pandemic. The government has been urged to further relax infection controls for people travelling between Hong Kong and the mainland. The call follows the announcement by the National Health Commission that it was shortening the COVID quarantine period for inbound travellers to the mainland. Here's Maggie Ho. Mainland health officials revealed on Tuesday they had refined their pandemic guidelines by having the quarantine period for arrivals to seven days with a further three days spent at home. The president of the Chinese Manufacturers Association, Alan Shi, hailed the move as good news for business people. He told RTHK he hopes the SAR will also increase the quota for the return to Hong Kong scheme, under which residents can come back without undergoing quarantine. Currently, 5,000 
people are allowed to return to the territory through the scheme every day. Mr. Xi also expressed hope the government will cut quarantine for other travelers from seven days to three and gradually scrap the isolation requirement altogether. Of course, it's best to cancel it all. You can see that many other countries like Singapore no longer have any inbound quarantine measures, and we are still very stringent. It will greatly hinder our economic development. Speaking on the same radio program, tourism industry lawmaker Perry Yu also appealed to the SAR government to allow those who have been triple jabbed to stay at a quarantine hotel for three days and self-isolate at home for four. Now the weather mainly cloudy with a few showers. Showers will become frequent with squally thunderstorms tomorrow. Temperatures are ranging 27 and 31 degrees. Moderate to fresh easterly winds strong offshore and on high ground later tomorrow. There will be swells. The outlook, squally showers and thunderstorms in the following couple of days. Strong winds on Friday. Showers will be heavy at times during the weekend. Temperatures currently 29 degrees, humidity 80% and as we heard earlier, the standby signal number one is in force. You're tuned to RTHK. The time is five minutes past 11. Wan Chai North has been locked down in a massive security operation ahead of the expected visit of President Xi Jinping on Friday for the SCR's 25th birthday celebrations. Dignitaries and guests have been arriving to join the closed loop at the Grand Hyatt and Harbour View hotels. But a number of journalists have been barred from covering the July the 1st event. Priscilla Ung reports. Police are out in force on roads all around the Hong Kong Convention and Exhibition Centre and Golden Bohemia Square. Cars are being stopped and checked along Harbour Road and their drivers quizzed. People entering the exhibition centre and other buildings have to pass through metal detectors. The exhibition centre MTR station will close a day ahead of President Xi's expected visit on July the 1st, when core security zones will be established wherever the state leader goes. Footbridges and flyovers will also be closed temporarily as his motorcade sweeps by. Macau's chief executive, Ho Yat Singh, has already arrived to attend the anniversary celebrations and the inauguration of the sixth-term Hong Kong SAR administration of John Lee. He and his delegation will be here for three days to ensure they satisfy the closed-loop management system and anti-epidemic rules, including regular COVID testing. Hong Kong officials, lawmakers and dignitaries have also been seen out getting tested or moving into sequestration into the two convention center hotels. But this need for closed loops and COVID testing is set to catch out at least seven local and overseas media organizations who've been asked to replace their reporters covering the July the 1st ceremony. The government said the decision was a balance as far as possible between the needs of media work and security requirements without elaborating. It said it would not comment on the accreditation outcome of individual organizations and persons. But a former member of the National People's Congress Standing Committee, Rita Fan, said the media outlets have not been banned from sending anyone, so there's no question of press freedom being undermined. If I hope you can send a different reporter, it doesn't affect your press freedom. It's not that you are banned from covering the event. In particular, Western countries' media, they keep looking for things to criticize Hong Kong. I hope everyone who lives in Hong Kong and loves Hong Kong would not allow them to smear Hong Kong.
A former vice chairwoman of the Basic Law Committee and Hong Kong Justice Secretary Elsie Leung said she doesn't believe the government has any blacklist of journalists. Members of Yulong District Council and the local government-appointed area committee have criticised the authorities for not sending out an emergency alert to residents after a power cable bridge fire last week led to a massive power blackout. They question why the billion-dollar system can't issue localised alerts, but were told this would have made little difference as the power from the mobile phone transmitters was down. Timmy Sung reports. Members of the two councils complained that many residents in Yunnong and Tin Shui Wai were left wondering what had happened on the night of June the 21st when their buildings were plunged into darkness. It may be an accident this time, but what if it's a terrorist attack or use of a drone to attack the power network? I'm not sure if CLP has prepared for it. I originally thought the fire was a terrorist attack. Why did the bridge catch fire out of the blue, as it's never happened for 10 or 20 years? That question was asked by Lao Sik Man, an area committee member from Tin Shou Wai North. At a special joint meeting, members also questioned why the government's $100 million mobile phone emergency alert system can't issue district-based messages. They also pressed CLP on why it managed to restore power to some buildings quicker than others. Officials from the electricity company said power supply is a complicated matter and urged members to wait for its final report. They also said the power cables that went up in flames have been replaced and electricity supply is now back to normal. But the CLP officers did not respond to questions about compensation for those affected by the blackout. On the emergency alert system, the communications authority noted that some mobile phone transmitters aren't equipped with backup power because of safety concerns. It pointed out that people in the affected area would not have been able to receive an alert from the government if their mobile phone had no signal. The authority promised to follow up with operators about improving the situation. Yunnan District Officer Gordon Wu said the government will review the way information was disseminated on the night of the blackout. The Fire Services Department told the meeting that an investigation into the fire that destroyed the Yunnan Cable Bridge had confirmed that foul play wasn't involved, but it admitted it still hasn't determined the cause of the blaze. An uncrewed Chinese spacecraft has photographed the entire surface of Mars, including visuals of its South Pole, after circling the planet more than 1,300 times since early last year. Erin Tam reports. Among the images taken from space by China's Tianwen-1 craft were the country's first photographs of the Martian South Pole, where almost all of the planet's water resources are locked. Locating subterranean water is key to determining the planet's potential for life. It would also provide a permanent resource for any human exploration there. The water under the planet's icy south pole was only discovered in 2018 by an orbiting probe operated by the European Space Agency. The Tianwen-1 reached the red planet last February in China's inaugural mission to Mars. A robotic rover named Zhurong was deployed on the surface as the orbiter surveyed the planet from space. Two research teams from the Hong Kong Polytechnic University had helped with the mission's landing site mapping and evaluation and were involved in the development of the Mars landing surveillance camera. 
Other Tianwen One images include photographs of the 4,000-kilometer-long canyon Valles Marineris and impact craters in highlands in the north of the planet known as Arabia Terra. Tianwen One are questions to heaven named after a Chinese poem written two millennia ago also sent back high-resolution imagery of the edge of the vast Maunder crater as well as a top-down view of the 18,000-meter Ascreus Mons, a large shield volcano first detected by NASA's Mariner 9 spacecraft more than five decades ago. The journalist and Nobel Peace Prize winner Maria Ressa says the news website she co-founded in the Philippines has been ordered to close. Regulators have upheld a decision to withdraw Rappler's license to operate. The website has been critical of President Rodrigo Duterte, who steps down tomorrow. Ms. Ressa says it will keep operating pending an appeal. Our goal is to continue. We're not going to voluntarily give up our rights. And we really shouldn't. I've continued to appeal for that because when you give up your rights, you're never going to get them back. Ukraine's President Volodymyr Zelensky has told NATO leaders that his country needs $5 billion a month to fight Russian forces. In a virtual address to a crucial summit of the alliance in Spain, he said modern artillery was desperately needed. President Zelensky warned that Vladimir Putin's military campaign would not stop at Ukraine. He said his country was playing a vital role in protecting its NATO neighbours. Just think about one fact. Today, a non-NATO country, albeit with your support, has been holding back a state for more than four months, which you have all officially identified as your main threat, and we are holding Russia back from destroying us and from destroying you. Earlier, President Biden announced that the US would expand its military presence across Europe because President Putin had shattered peace. NATO chief Jens Stoltenberg said it was the biggest overhaul of the alliance since the end of the Cold War. BBC's Mark Lowen is at the summit in Madrid. What NATO leaders are going to do at this summit is to redefine what they call their strategic concept, their blueprint going forward in the next decade. The last one outlined at the NATO summit in 2010 talked about the need for a strategic partnership with Russia. Now, 12 years on, the NATO leaders are going to define Russia as the alliance's main threat. You get a sense of just how the tectonic plates of geopolitics have shifted. A new study of the bones of a prehistoric giant kangaroo has found they belong to a previously unknown group of species, unique to Papua New Guinea. Paleontologists from the University of Flinders in Australia re-examined the fossils using 3D imaging and found they were less related to their Australian cousins than had been thought. The fossils date from between 20,000 and 50,000 years ago, when the kangaroo roamed mountainous tropical jungle in New Guinea. And a reminder of our top stories tonight. The observatory issues the standby signal number one, with the weather set to deteriorate in the next couple of days. Hong Kong reports over 2,000 COVID cases for the first time since April. And flights resume on the main air route between Tokyo and Seoul after more than two years. And that's the news from RTHK. RTHK Radio 3 
Marmalade, a track there called Rainbow. Thanks for the requests in so far. It's Radio Peter at Gmail, by the way, if you'd like to be in touch. This is one I don't think I've played for ages. Just to Stevie for requesting it. Peaches and Her with a track they put out some years back called Shake Your Groove Thing. Uh, I think as for the request, just got one more still to go, which is uh, Gilbert. I don't know why this is taking a while. Uh, looking for Chubby Checkers, The Twist. I'm sure we can dig it out for you. Anybody else want to have a go? It's Radio Pete at Gmail. And here it is, and Peaches and Herb. Shake your groove thing here on 3. 